Welcome, welcome your backup plan tribe to another awesome, awesome show today with Betsy Wurzel coming from New Jersey today. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here. If you are new here, my name is Tina Ginn, and I would like to thank you for coming on our show and taking a listen to Talking Taboo with Tina, um, brought to you by your Backup Plan app. We focus on real, raw conversations with our listeners about their journey from a life-changing event in their life. Yes. It is. It's a life-changing event in many lives. I tell you guys all the time. Um, I am an emergency preparedness coach, a best-selling author of In the Blink of an Eye. Remember, Janie? That's how fast something happens. That's how fast things change in your life in the blink of an eye. I'm an app developer of your backup plan app. I'm located here in beautiful Vancouver, BC, Canada, and I'd like to welcome all of you onto the show. If you haven't liked, shared, or subscribed to our channel before, press that like button down here in the corner. Plus, press that subscribe button. I'd love to have you come on our show, uh, listen to all our different uh, shows. We just had our third year anniversary show this month coming up today, actually, on our podcast. So thank you for all our listeners uh, all around the world. United States and Canada are two top listeners. And Germany is our third. And Ireland and India are our fourth and fifth. Everything always seems to change. One time it was Sweden and, and it just keeps changing. But I'd like to welcome my German listeners. Meine deutsche Freunde sind unserem Podcast willkommen. Wenn Sie Kommentare haben, können Sie gern Fragen stellen. Also, danke für deine Freundschaft und danke für zu hören, meine Freunde. So thank you so very much for coming on our, listening to our shows. And um, if you have any comments, questions, make sure you click down in the comment section down below. Or if you know somebody with a good story, message me. Okay. Your backup plan. People say to me, Tina, what is your backup plan app? Anyways, what does it do? It puts your life all in one place in case of any unpredictable circumstance while taking that painful aftermath out of that tragedy. Well, Tina, what does that mean? That means that you can be rest assured, you can be prepared for anything. And I was just talking to Betsy backstage about this earlier. You know, with the wildfires in California, um, McKinney uh, Forest, I think, or McKinney Fire, I think it's called, uh, people are losing their houses, people are losing their items, people's insurance are canceled or void. Um, People are losing their from a hurricane or tornadoes. There's some crazy weather out there. And not only that, but we also have some crazy diseases. And it's best to be prepared for the unexpected because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And Mike Tyson says it the best. No one has, you know, we all think we have a plan until we get punched in the face. And believe me, we will because we're here to have something is going to happen to us at some point. We don't know what and we don't know when, but we do know something will. 
So I help you get better prepared for the unexpected by getting your paperwork together and your wishes together and your documents together and your IDs together and anything that you need for fire or water flooding or storms or um, losing losing your um, concept of being healthy, for the example, the cancer word or having a heart attack or dementia changes everything in your life. And Betsy's going to come on today and tell us all about that. She is amazing, amazing. And I'm so happy to bring her on. Let's bring on Betsy. Welcome, welcome, Betsy. Hi, Tina. Thanks for having me on. And I can't thank you enough uh, for having me on and for doing what you do, Tina. And if I may just tell your audience, please listen to Tina because she is right. <laughs> it could change in a blink of an eye, a spin of a dime. Um, especially if you have someone with dementia, it, that things literally can change overnight. Yes, that's for sure. And you don't even expect it that either. So Betsy comes to us from New Jersey. Um, the story today is struggling uh, with caregiver duties and how to cope. She is a pro when it comes to that. Um, Betsy, tell me where, what show you have. You have a podcast on a radio talk show. Tell us more about that before you, before you start. Sure. Uh, my show is Chatting with Betsy, where you hear your favorite podcast. And I interview um, all different types of people, different topics. And I just love to um, interview people. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought I would be doing this. Um, that's for sure. But that's just the direction that I, I went into. And um, after meeting Jeannie uh, White, who's station manager at Passion World Talk Radio, and I met her because I went in my car to do advocacy. I'm talking about Alzheimer's and talking about caregiving. And tell us about your story, Betsy. It's quite an amazing story of how you, how you were managed to, you know, put into this role that you didn't expect, especially with a spouse. That's you know, super hard compared to yeah. even caregiving for a parent. Yes. Um, show my husband. This is my husband, Matt. Oh, can you see? Yeah. Hi, Matt. <laughs> Whose birthday will be on Sunday. Um, he would have been 69. Matt died uh, January 1st, 2020, after a 10-year battle with early onset Alzheimer's. First, it was my mother-in-law. <laughs> oh, 20 years ago, and there wasn't information back then that there is now. Did not know how to handle hallucinations, sundowning, anything. I mean, the, and the, the information just wasn't there. My dad had um, dementia, and I uh, didn't take care of him, but I, you know, I'd give my mom support during that time. And then in 2010, boy, time goes by fast. Uh, <laughs> Matt was diagnosed with early onset, but that's only after I fought for a diagnosis. So you have What were to they be... thinking you had then, if at the beginning? Depression. Oh. Yeah. I thought he, he was, was working and stuff, like at yeah. full time? Yes. And actually, I was 
noticing things at home unknown to me. They were noticing things at work. Oh, like what kinds of things? Like he was forgetting things? Yeah. Uh, forgetting how to do his job. Not knowing how to do his job. But they and hide became, it really well, Betsy. Yes. And becoming a, a, a danger. They took the forklift away from him. And um, was really very fortunate that uh, Matt worked for this company uh, 14 years. And they knew something had to be wrong with Matt. And they didn't fire him. He made a huge mistake. And they knew something had to be wrong. And one day he asked customer service to help him do something. He didn't remember. And they thought that was kind of weird. Like, why is Matt asking us how to do something? But and good for them that they took the yeah. time to think about it first. Like, not yes. just jump to conclusions. And I was fortunate um, in the fact that they had a company doctor I didn't know that Matt talked to this company doctor because he didn't tell me. Either he forgot or he didn't want to tell me. I yeah. don't know. Could be both. Uh, and she suspected dementia. She thought maybe it could be the reversible type due to a uh, vitamin deficiency or thyroid deficiency. But she feared that it, it wasn't. And she was right. And she never saw an MRI. She never saw his test results. These wow. yo-yos, I call them yo-yos. These yo-yos around here uh, had the MRI right in front of them that showed global shrinkage with uh, non-specified white spots and an abnormal EEG, suggestive of dementia, and yet they said he's too young. That's what we heard. You can't have Alzheimer's or dementia. You're too young. And they were wrong. And how old was he? He was 56. Wow. And, he and was it diagnosed. goes so fast when it's on early, it seems to. Um, well, everyone. Versus when they get it older, isn't it? Doesn't it well, go you know, fast? Um, this disease is so baffling to us and, and to doctors. Uh, Matt lasted 10 years, I think, because he was basically healthy. But someone I know whose husband was younger only lasted four years. Yeah. So you just don't know but with this disease when you're going to die from it once you get the diagnosis. Right. You just don't know. So I say live your life. Uh, go out and have a good time and do what you could do while you still can enjoy doing it. And all of us should be doing that anyway. True, especially after COVID, if we learned one thing. Yes, yeah, that's for sure. And since I talked to you last, Tina, my brother died. My older brother oh. had died January 2021. He had undiagnosed dementia. And uh, it boggles my mind that in at that time in 2020, that neurologists can still be so arrogant and their attitudes still stink. Uh, I just wanted to call him up and yell at him, but my mother wouldn't give me the number. She wouldn't and let how me old was to he, me. Betsy? She wanted me to talk to a neurologist. Uh, Bradley was 67. So he's still early, uh, still <clears throat> young to, to get such a, a disease. And so 
what's happening in our medical system where they're not catching this? Like, I know it's a strange disease. I sometimes, you know, when I talk to someone with dementia, they seem totally fine. And then other times it's like, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, my brother knew he had memory problems. He told his friend. That matter of fact, his friend called me and told me, Bradley's having memory problems. I talked to your mom to tell your mom, because he lived with my mom, to uh, our mom, to go to a neurologist. But my mom was in denial about it. Right. And my brother was always at the doctor. So how they could not detect that he had a mitral valve problem, I don't know. But um, talking about planning, Tina, I I have to give, I, I have to tell your audience this. Please, I beg of you, listen to Tina. Get your backup plan, get your power of attorney, get your uh, financial, medical, get a medical directive. It is important. Now, it might be different in Canada. I don't know. I'm no, in the US. It's not any different. <laughs> not any different uh, no. than get it. And I, I had intuition that something bad was going to happen to my brother. And I had mentioned to my mom, you know, Bradley needs to go to a, a lawyer. Yeah. And he did. He went to the lawyer in June 2020. He um, went in the hospital in December 2020. Yeah, that's right. And he um, wanted to go home, wanted to go home. Because of COVID, nobody could visit him. Yeah. They found that he had a mitral valve problem. And he had to get transferred up um, like over an hour away from my mom. She still wasn't allowed to see him. He had the procedure done. He never got off the respirator, never got off the ventilator. He got pneumonia and then sepsis. Thankfully, he had a living will because the doctor called us. We had a family meeting and they said, Bradley has a 10% chance of making it through the surgery. But if he did make it, he would need a tracheostomy, a colonoscopy, um, maybe even a colonoscopy, she said, and a feeding tube and a trach. My mother said, no, that's not living. And no. we decided, you know, that's not probably what Bradley would wanted. He had a living will. And so um, thankfully, Bradley survived until they got to the hospital and then took him off the equipment. Oh, nice. Well, it's not nice, but I'm I'm glad that it worked out for the family because those are hard yeah. decisions to make if you don't have those already those documents. Exactly. People, people don't realize. And yes. then the likes of your mom would be thinking, well, we, we could take them off and maybe somebody else might want to keep them on. And then you have this family dispute. Right. Um, but we all, yeah, agreed, and it was hard. I might get clumped. Um, yeah, I said, I said like goodbye <laughs> over the phone, and I said his name, and he looked at me. And um, it's so I hard to make that decision. People. Yeah, I feel for the people who mm-hmm. loved ones died during COVID, and they couldn't grieve properly, and they couldn't visit him because what bothered me, Tina was thinking my brother is laying in that hospital 
bed. What was he thinking? Then nobody was yeah. visiting. Yes. I don't know. That bothers well, me. Well, you're lying there all alone. Yes. It yeah. was the worst time for that, I have to say, or when the person was dying during that time, not to be able to go in and lie beside them or hold their hand or even the hospices had certain rules sometimes during COVID where you couldn't, where you couldn't even go in. Yes, that's true because uh, Matt's hospice told me that. And yeah, this might sound terrible to some people, but I am so grateful Matt died before COVID. I am so glad. Yes. Because I was able to be there with him and I promised him that I would, and I would have been heartbroken and devastated if I couldn't have been there with him. Well, an iPad just doesn't no. do it. No, especially when they were unconscious, too. Yeah, yeah. But the touch and, and the feeling the touch, and the yeah. energy in the room when you're yeah. there is very different. Um, hopefully, the next time around, I hope that maybe our society can figure something else better for those that are dying. Um, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um Saying goodbye over the phone just is not the same. No. As in a person. And, you know, Briley was my older brother, and I still can't believe he's gone. Yeah. And so it young. Was, yeah. I mean, and folks, my brother's living proof. Oh, not living proof. That's a wrong word to use, but proof, was living proof. Was living proof. Thank you, Tina. That things can change in a blink, just like Tina said. I mean, my brother was always going to the doctor. He got sick one week after spinal tap. He did not have COVID. I want to make that clear. He was tested for COVID many times. He did not have COVID. And who would have expected that? Uh, I'm still shocked by it. Yeah. And, you know, Bradley was sick around the same time that Matt was, but a year later, a year apart, it sent me right back into my post-traumatic yeah. um, stress. Grief, grieving stress. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For people out there that are grieving, you know, um, we talked about this before the show, Betsy, but some days I, I feel like the hair on your skin is like standing straight up. And whatever happens during the day with whoever says anything to you, it's like, it's like it, it comes through and swipes your hair and it, it makes it like, oh, so much more powerful for some reason that day. Whereas some days you can seem to cope yeah. and it doesn't affect you. And other days it just feels like it's so much more powerful. Yes. Yes, I agree. You know, there's some days, I, and I told you earlier that I could talk about Matt and I'm fine, or my brother. And then yeah. some days I could get all choked up. Um, yeah. But you know what? I don't apologize for that, Tina. No. I don't apologize. And what you see with me is, is who I am. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, a drinker. <laughs> I serve it straight. Uh, my father's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> um, my father was very forward um, and that was with, before dementia uh, my father told you exactly what was on his mind and I'm the same way 
the one I, I mean, I'd like you to go back to when you found out about your husband's Alzheimer's. Um, what did you notice after the work realized that this was happening? Did they contact you then? And no. no. Um, his co-worker went out on the little limb to tell me some things, to tell me to take, he actually told me to take Matt to, to the doctor. They told Matt to go to the doctor. And he, he didn't want to go at first, but then he relented probably because his company told him. So Matt wasn't telling me anything going on at work. And I was thinking, how do you function at work? Matt was always absent-minded, but he was getting more absent-minded. And I have oh, quickly to before you go on to that, before I forget, do you find with your situations that you've gone through and talking to other people, because you talk to a lot of people in the caregiving realm, do things that you're really bad at get emphasized when you get this disease? You know, like your loss, like I have, I'm terrible at direction, say. So, you know, so maybe your direction would get worse or your, your spouse has, um, you know, maybe has, he forgets things easily. Yeah. I mean, some people are like that, right? Yeah, I would imagine uh, so. You know, Matt was always um, absent-minded. I mean, I always had a reminder, but it was even more so. Like right. before he left for work, do you have your lunch? Do you have your key? Um, do you have your phone? Uh, I noticed that um, Matt lived in this area his whole life. So when they were adding a left-hand lane, that just totally confused him and I couldn't understand why it confused him I said man you just go straight like you normally do he, he would avoid it he didn't know where to put the recyclables he didn't know what time Sunday school was that he taught that's what made me go back to a neurologist when he asked me what time Sunday school was and I said well what time is it on your watch and he looked at his watch like oh, I don't know I said, um, are you serious? Because he was a jokester. And he said, yeah, he couldn't read. He couldn't tell time. So when I, I went back to the doctor, I said, you can be depressed and know how to tell time. You know how to do your job. You may not feel like doing your job, but you know how. You know how or to get around. You don't want to get up for your job. <laughs> right. You don't want to get up for your job. You know how to tell time. And it was interesting, Tina, because. Before Matt was diagnosed in 09, November of 09, I was in the hospital for two weeks. And Josh, uh, our son, told me that uh, he had to help daddy order at McDonald's. I said, what do you mean, Josh? Oh, well, dad didn't know what to do. I had to order for him. And Matt had called me, said he needed money. And I said, well, write out a check for cash. He said, I don't know how. So I, of course, there I am in the hospital. And, I yelled at him, what do you mean you don't know how? <laughs> Used to write out checks for your mom. So I, I told him how. And I'm thinking, this is really strange. Very strange now. Um, but isn't and then, telling time the first signs? One yeah. of the first signs? And as, as it happened, Matt had to go in the hospital in December of 09. And I told his medical doctor. I said, Matt's having memory problems. He blew me off. No, he's too young. He can't be having that. 
said, yes, he's having it. No, 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 he's, he's fine. Well, when that doctor got the note from the company doctor, he called me up and he went, holy blank. What is, what's going on? I said, I told you he was having memory problems, but you didn't believe me. Yeah. Unbelievable what I went through, what we went through. And that's what made me get into my car. When Matt was tested by the neuropsychologist in uh, 2010, I didn't have the information from work then. And I didn't know at that time about early onset Alzheimer's. I didn't know you could get it at any age. And Is I told it literally you, at any age. Yeah. There's even childhood. Really? I think it's called Battenhausen syndrome. Uh, uh, children can get. Wow, I've never heard of that before. A form of dementia. I said, Matt, you know, this test is going to be expensive. Please cooperate. And so he told me he cooperated, but the neuropsychologist said he didn't cooperate. And so I yelled at Matt. <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> I did cooperate, Betsy. I would she show me things. I'd say, I can't remember. I could not remember. And then I'm thinking, he's coming to you for memory problems. Why won't you believe him? Yeah. And I've heard this from other caregivers. I've heard this over and over again. It makes my blood boil. Why does the medical community not believe what patients and, and caregivers are telling them? Uh, do you think somebody would make this up? <laughs> memory I mean, come on. No, thanks. And I, I just, um, I wish I did know 12 years ago what I know now, because I would have told her off. But you have to be a, an advocate. You have to educate yourself on your loved one's diagnosis, even your own. Be an advocate for yourself and your family, because right. you need to be. Uh, now. Well, tell the listeners then. I mean, it's what you've gone through, but you've spoken to so many other people. What are some of the signs to start? Because it, it must be very hard to, to know. I actually have a client who has a, a spouse with early onset Alzheimer's and he works in a car dealership. Wow. And he had to go on disability from there as well. Yeah. Um, because you start making mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what are the signs for a spouse, for people that are listening? Maybe some <clears throat> of the things to think about, you know, if you start seeing things and start questioning them. Right. Maybe it okay. might not be that, but, but it's a start, right? Right. Um, I advise anyone, if you yourself, or your spouse or a parent are having uh, memory issues, please, I beg you to get screened. Be very adamant to your doctor, you want to be screened. What if um, they don't wanna be screened? And they don't wanna be screened and you can't because really- Because they're worried. Them. I mean, yeah. they're worried that what, what the outcome looks like, right? Right, right. Because they don't wanna think that they have it. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand that. There's even, I think the Alzheimer's Association, I think they have a mini, a mental test you could take. You could do it at home. Oh, oh okay. Um, 
uh, what I noticed with Matt was uh, more forgetful than he normally was. He like didn't know where the recyclables were. He didn't know his way around town. Uh, like Josh said, he couldn't order from a restaurant. Didn't know how to write out a check. Unknown to me, when I found out he was making mistakes at work, they don't know right. how to do their job. Um, they don't like change. They don't they like change. Don't, right. They, they don't like change. You might see them be depressed. Matt, of course, Matt was depressed. That's no surprise. Who wouldn't be depressed? If you don't know how to do your job, you don't know how to, um, you don't know where things are in the house, you don't know how to function at your job. I mean, that's scary. Yeah, I, I would be well, depressed too. Well, I think so because you, as the person that's affecting themselves, <laughs> you're going to start knowing and seeing these things of yourself that you don't want to accept. That's so that, true. that's itself really frustrating and, and you know, and you don't want to, you know, like you're fighting it. So right. how long do they fight it for before they actually give in? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it, you know, it's so individual, Tina, like my dad, they took away his car keys and he was, my dad was, well, either he was in his 80s or late 70s. I don't remember. He was mad. He yeah. drove. He was a salesman. There's nothing wrong with me. You know, so a lot of people are in denial about it. Yes. I had to take away Matt's keys because um, he had backed into the driveway. And <laughs> he said to me, I have a little scratch on the car. I had trouble getting into the driveway. I uh -oh. came home from work, wasn't a little scratch. The whole side of the car was scratched. <laughs> whole side. And he was like, we have a driveway and part of it is a cement um, wall. And I said, Matt, why didn't you just put the car in park and hop over the console and get out the other side? Oh, I didn't think of that. He didn't I know. I think they lose their reasoning, don't they? Like, yeah. isn't reasoning like one of the top things that they lose? Yes. And that's the frustrating thing for people that are caregiving. Yeah. That's what I find anyways, is, is the frustration of like, why are they thinking like that? Or that yes. makes no sense. You cannot reason. Forget about reasoning with someone with dementia. You're just going to aggravate yourself. They lose that ability to reason. So just don't even bother. I, I told someone this the other day. You cannot reason with your husband. They don't have that ability. You tell him something, he's going to forget about 60 seconds after you just told him. <laughs> you know, so you crazy. really have to... <sighs> It, it, it's almost like you need counseling to know how to let, let it roll off your back and let the, mm -hmm. just go with the flow and not get mm -hmm. aggravated. And yeah, it's that so tough. Yes. That's why Tina, I say over and over again, I don't care if people get mad. I don't care. They get insulted. You need to educate yourself as a caregiver. There's no excuse anymore 
for a caregiver not to be educated with all that's on the web, with all that's on YouTube, with all the uh, Facebook support groups out there. There's no excuse. And I don't even want to hear. I don't have time because you know what? <laughs> if you could sit and watch Netflix, then you better make the time to educate yourself to be a better caregiver and know what to do in situations. Right. Um, because I, I just. One of the situations just, is, well, first seeing the signs, I guess, would be yeah. the first. But I guess the next kind of issue would be. What do I need to get prepared? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that's the next step. If they already yeah. aren't prepared, right? Right. I, I wish that every doctor in America and, and abroad, uh, every neurologist would have a pamphlet to a guide a caregiver. I highly recommend that you run to that's a That's coming <laughs> from me. Yes. That's coming out very soon called the yes. Caregiver Rescue. Oh, thank you, Tina. <laughs> um and they're gonna come my show, and I'm gonna we're gonna promote it um, for sure. We uh, go to a lawyer. You need to go to an elder care lawyer. You need to get power of attorney uh, for financial and um, medical. You need to make a living will. You need to update your will. Yes. And you know, um, my mom before she it gets too bad. Before People it gets forget. too bad. People don't and then realize you go, that you can't do it after a certain point where they. Exactly. And then you're talking guardianship and even conservatorship. That's expensive. more. Yes. Very costly. You know, I, I told my mother because she didn't want to go for that, uh, getting a power of attorney. And I said, you're not taking anything away from, from daddy. You're not taking away their power. I say it's like a savings. You have it for when you need it. Oops. Right. You do from it when you, you need it. I told, I immediately took Matt and I said, I don't want to have to make medical decisions. I want you to do it now or you can and get um, power of attorney because um, you really need that. And I'll, I'll tell you from my personal experience, I thought I had sent it to the life insurance company. Right. I thought I did. And they said I didn't. And they won't even tell you about policy. They won't tell you anything. No. Here in the U.S., we have Medicare, which is a government health care system. Medicare. They're going to ask you for your power of attorney. They will not talk to you unless you have that. If your husband or wife or partner, they have pensions, pension papers. You need that uh, power attorney. Power of attorney. Yes, you need to have that. But the problem is people <laughs> think that it's their spouse and they don't need it. I know my parents think that. Well, that's my yeah, husband. No, they I don't need that. Need. That means nothing. Yeah, you do. Means nothing. Um, especially, well, I think, Tina, that anyone over the age of 18 should have a living will yes. and power of attorney. This could always be changed. You could always yes. update your will because right. a lot of people don't realize, Tina, if you have an adult child who, God forbid, is in an accident or gets sick all of a sudden, 
and they're over 18, you know that emergency room doesn't even have to call you. You have no right to know what is going on according to the law. Right. You need to have th that. And I took my son two years ago. Josh is 38. I took him at 36 after COVID uh, finally was winding down. I was able to get to a lawyer <laughs> and I got power of attorney and he made out a living will because uh, you don't want the state to come in. No, you do not want the state to come in and put your person on a respirator or get a feeding tube, but that's not what they wanted. Or lie there mm -hmm. for months on end right. with a tube. Yeah. If that's not what the what you wanted. Just because exactly. the government says and chooses the person, chooses what they want. And the same goes when you have younger children and you don't have a will or anything. You know, what's going right. to happen to your kids? People, I mean, a lot of people don't make a will because they can't figure out who they want their kids to go to. Mm -hmm. That holds up everybody's wills. Just make a decision for the time being and change it in two weeks or three years or whatever. Right. right. It could always be updated. You know, um, I made, <laughs> this is kind of funny in a way, I made a mistake. I thought when we went, well, that I updated Matt's will. I could have sworn I did, but I didn't. But oh. fortunately, when he died, there was nothing. He had nothing. So I didn't have to go to probate or, or, or anything. Um, and I and I had called up the lawyer and I said, didn't Matt have, did I update his will? They said, no, you updated yours. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I guess because Matt didn't have anything. I, I don't remember, to be honest with you, why I didn't well, do it. You were you were in the midst of all that turmoil probably and yeah you know your brain isn't thinking the right way sometimes it's yeah. mushy yeah. sometimes yeah. yes that's true so fortunately i didn't need it but you know what if you don't have a will then things will go to probate that's another cost um that's other expense and and you know um just to go through yeah. and you know, Tina, you know, and I know people can avoid a lot of unnecessary pain and trauma and expense. And they would just listen to us. Yes. <laughs> and not find out the hard way. Yes. Yes. And you know what? I tell people don't uh, do what I, I did in, in, with some things. I'm telling you my experience, not because I know everything. I don't, but I don't want you all to make the same mistake. You know, get help. Uh, I wish I had gotten a uh, someone to help me navigate the hospice process. Get someone okay. to help you. So don't later on, near near the right. end, to find yeah. somebody that can guide you through yeah. that. And don't wait till you're at the end of your rope. I, I would even suggest. Um, hiring if they're in your state or in your area they may not be a death doula they yeah, they say help you with with that um i didn't know about that at, at the time um i don't think there was any in my area anyway but uh or a nurse uh a geriatric nurse uh, consultant uh you could a uh, nurse manager consultant whatever they're called they that uh that person can help you yes they right. charge 
but they will help, they can help you navigate the hospice process. Yes, because all of those are, are difficult. And I, yeah. I want to say too, when it comes time for a funeral, um, that's a whole other ball of wax mm-hmm. too. I mean, they, when you go in for somebody who's passed away, they ask you at least a hundred questions and some of them are easy to answer. And then some of them you've never even thought about. Yes. And I highly recommend pre uh, funeral planning. I did that. I uh, was it 2018. I think it was 2018. Um, we had a plot. Well, it was Matt's dad's plot. Why he got a plot there when he already had a plot somewhere else, I don't know, but I'm glad he did. Uh, to pay the opening and closing costs for the both of us, I did a payment plan. And I think I did that in went in July or August of 2018. You know, I'm glad I did. And yeah. then I, one of the hardest things I did was to go to the funeral home in December 2018 and pre-plan Matt's funeral. Um, it was not a pleasant task, but it's necessary. And here in the U.S., if you go on Medicaid, they want you to do that. If you go into a nursing facility, they want you to do that. And they don't want to be burdened by all the questions and things they have to choose. And do it while your head is clear. And I know people are uncomfortable talking about death and dying. And it's not that Tina and I are morbid. Uh, it's a necessary and we need to start talking about it. Ask your loved one or even ask yourself, pre-plan your own funeral. I, I'm doing it. I went to, um, I'm on a payment plan. Um, you know, what do you want at your funeral or do you want a funeral? Do you want an alternate, uh, burial? Do you want to be cremated? What songs do you want? What kind of service do you want? Or do you not want one? And even though you may not agree with your loved one, it doesn't matter. Respect their wishes and honor yeah. their wishes. That's part of the program, too. And it's part of in the app to have these worksheets to be able to have these conversations with each other. Yeah. Um, and good. the problem why we don't have the conversations is we really don't know what we're supposed to talk about or what we're going to have to do or what we're going to have to ask, or what we're going to have to know. So by knowing what to ask, it makes it super simple to answer it um, for those that are still well and for those that are getting sick. It, it makes it simple. Mm-hmm. So that's why when I talk about the app and something happening, it helps take that aftermath out of the tragedy. It helps take the burden of all of those decisions and things that you get thrown at you at the end, easy to process. Don't we want easy? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think we do, but we think we don't want to deal with it. Yeah, that's true. And I, I always was one Tina. I've always been this way to take the bull by the horns. I have always been. That's because you're from New Jersey. (laughs) <laughs> well, my mom wasn't like that. She was, my mom was from New York, but um, I've always been that way, you know, face a problem head on. Um, a lot of people think, oh, well, if I don't talk about it, then I'll go away. No, it doesn't go away. 
And unfortunately, with any kind of dementia, it's only going to progress and get worse. Are you prepared? What are you going to do when your loved one runs out the door or starts to wonder? Do you have a plan? And what are you going to do when they start hallucinating? Are you uh, informed? Do you know what to do when your loved one hallucinates? This is, and of course, reading about it and having it in your face is two different things, but at least you'll be knowledgeable. I wasn't knowledgeable with my mother-in-law. I did not handle it correctly because I didn't know. A right. time man hallucinated, I knew what to do because I educated myself. What do you do? What should you do? You go with it. Don't argue with them. Try to redirect them, acknowledge them, um, what they're feeling, and validate it. Matt, for some reason, uh, thought there was always men in the house. And sometimes they were hitting him or putting sticks in his head. So, and he would say to me, Betsy, don't go over there. There's men there. I go, okay, Matt, I will get the men. Um, Josh and I will throw the men out. Are you sure? Yes. And Josh and I became great improv actors. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Just okay. Just go with the flow. Yeah. Like, okay, get out. And I would say, you know, you're, you're safe. Because what happens is they get agitated, in my opinion, they get agitated from the hallucination. So they're already agitated. Yeah. They don't need anyone to tell them, no, nah, that's not real. Stop doing that. You're going to make them more agitated. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to escalate and they can end up smacking you. And or then you've for it. Hitting something or yes. hurting themselves or hurting themselves. Yes. So. And I know there's people who say, well, I can't tell a lie. Yes, you can. It's either you tell a lie or you're going to have a situation on your hands that you don't want. Right. I and it's not to, really a lie. It's not really a lie. You're stretching the truth. You know, uh, as they get closer to dying, and this is really bizarre, it blows my mind, they start seeing their deceased relatives. But that's true. <laughs> and Matt would say to me, my mom stopped by today. I saw my mom today. I go, oh, you did. I go, well, how's your mom doing? Tell her I said hi. Or my dad stopped by. Oh, same thing. Or my brother stopped by. He never mentioned the sister because the sister's still alive. Isn't that I mean, interesting? It's so weird. I mean, it's just weird. I wasn't going to say, oh, no, Matt, your mother died. Why tell them that? Just yeah. go with it. Yeah. You like know? it's a kid. Like, yeah. And I, I find it really hard when it's like, uh, probably, I don't know about the spouse part, but with your parents, because you're the child, doesn't matter how old you are. So that, that part's difficult with, say, your mm -hmm. dad having that happen. Right. Right. Because, because you're supposed to be, the child and they're the parent so it's hard to all of a sudden look at them as the child right it's a role reversal um, uh, Josh used to say I'm the parent now oh. and taking care of uh, daddy and Josh was a great caregiver um, my son Josh has a cognitive disability 
but he understood Alzheimer's better than so-called intelligent people. Yes. He was I think great. It, it's probably empathy. Mm -hmm. He was really. Some people don't have. Yeah. So True. it makes it even more difficult. Yes. Josh was proud to be a caregiver. He was so That's proud cool. to be a caregiver for his dad. Very proud. He'd probably be good, really good at working with the older people suffering. He might. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, so one thing we haven't talked about during this whole time is, you know, caregiving for that loved one. But we mm -hmm. haven't talked about being prepared yourself. They forget that part. And to like, I just mentioned to a client yesterday that it's fine that you're caregiving and you're helping that other person out. But what happens is something happens and you don't wake up the next day. True. True. Maybe you're sick or maybe you pass away suddenly or you're going to the grocery store and you don't come back or you get injured in a car accident. What happens then? What does that picture look like? And what do you want it to look like? That's true. I, I think about that all the time with Josh. Um, oh, who is going to, who is he going to be with? And I talk about that with him. Um, you know, I have um, power of attorney. Something happens to me. But uh, this is kind of not funny, but it, I, I, I have a twisted, thick sense of humor sometimes. <laughs> um I thought that my younger brother would take a Josh in. And when I called him to tell him that he's power of attorney, he said, I'm downsizing. I can't take Josh. Um, I said, okay. So I told Josh, maybe you could move in with, you know, with your friend because Josh can't live by himself. Yeah. But Josh told me, he said, I want to die when you die. Um, but that's and, not going to happen. That's not realistic. Yeah. Uh, so I, I tell him, you know, to start thinking about that. Uh, where, you know, because I, I can't make somebody take care of him. So, um, but that is a concern. Big concern. Especially mine. a spouse, you know, that you're looking after. Yeah, exactly. And you need to have this in place. Who's going to take care of of your spouse if something happens to you and tina you know as well as i do a lot of caregivers die while taking care of their spouse or their yeah. parent i knew one lady she literally just dropped she dies and her husband had um alzheimer's has alzheimer's he's still alive and she's gone and she's gone and i was shocked shocked so yeah. shocked when i read that she died and the problem uh, is that it's not a short-term thing. That's the problem, right? It's right. it's so lengthy been. and goes on for years and anything can happen in those years and you get tired and burnt out and yes. and depressed and all of the all of those things because you're grieving as you watch this mm -hmm. person you're looking after get worse. Yes. And very true. You I say this, Tina, and I know, like I said, I'm a Jersey girl. I know this sounds very harsh, but self-care 
is literally a matter of life and death for the caregiver. Yes. And you have a right to enjoy life during caregiving and after caregiving, but you will not enjoy life after caregiving if you don't take care of yourself during caregiving. And I know yeah. it's hard. I know it's hard to make time for doctor's appointments. Um, and I'm not talking about going to a spa for a day because not many people can afford that. You need to take care of yourself, do a hobby, get away. And I know it's hard Exercise to find for whatever it is. It was very hard, especially near the end, to take time to recharge my batteries when I felt like I should be spending it with Matt because his time was short. And I know that caregiver guilt creeps in, but you have to take care of yourself. Yeah. And time goes by so quickly when you're in the midst of it. Yes. To, to not do those things, but put away those times every week and make sure you do them, whatever. If it's sitting outside coloring, it yes. doesn't matter, right? Whatever. Whatever it is, gardening, walking, going away for the night, even. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I used to go. I used to go in the bathroom and deep breathe and take my bubble bath and listen to John Denver music. Yeah, because that's what made you happy. Yeah, or go to the mall by Find myself. That happy place. Yes. Yes, it's very important. Think of something different do do yeah. something different yeah well oh my gosh i can't believe the time and betsy we have so much more to say and i think we're going to tell everybody we haven't made a date yet but we are going to be on clubhouse right betsy yeah <laughs> betsy and i are going to do a clubhouse together on um this this whole caregiver thing I'll call it that because <laughs> that's what it is. It's, it's such a hard job. And I commemorate everybody who has to deal with it at some point in time in their life, uh, part-time or full-time. I congratulate mm -hmm. every single one of you out there because it's the hardest job in the whole world. Um, it pushes your buttons, it triggers your pains. It, it, hits you sometimes when you don't want to think about it when you first wake up because you have to deal with it 24 7. so yes i i i wish i could hug each and every one of you that have to go through this <laughs> yes. betsy what would you like to give for the final message even though i don't want to end the show <laughs> well thanks for having me on tina it's a mindset um if you're a caregiver, it's a mindset. You can survive and thrive during caregiving. If I did it, you can do it. Had that mindset, you're not going to let this disease defeat you. And um, find your a hobby. Find your passion and, um, and do it. And I, I'm very grateful that I found mine. Yes. Thank you. And we're very grateful that you do what you do and help all those caregivers out there as well. So Betsy has a Facebook group that's in the description box down below, as well as she has um, a talk show 
And you talk about not just caregiving, right, on your show? Right. Talk about all kinds of different things, domestic abuse, and, um, anti-bullying, mental health. I'm a big mental health advocate. Uh, I interviewed different authors about different topics. Even and a you couple got of an award weeks. just recently. Tell us about this award that you got. Oh, yes. I was nominated this past November uh, for uh, Caregiving Visionary Advocate Award by caregiving.com. And I won. <laughs> they called my name. I couldn't believe it. And I'm very honored. Um, very honored. And I dedicate it to Matt. That's, that's lovely. And you deserve every inch of that. Thank you. You've, you've put a lot of time and effort into putting things out there for people um, to understand the process. It's quite the process. <laughs> <laughs> it's debilitating. It's frustrating. It's, ugh, it's worse than babysitting times 10. Yes, I, I was a preschool teacher's aide. And let me tell you, I could take care of 10, 15 children because they can learn, but taking care of Matt, totally different. So when people judge others and saying, well, your mother took care of you, why can't you take care of your mother or father? It's quite different. That's another thing I want to say. Don't judge. Don't stigmatize people. Don't judge until you walk in their shoes. Zip your mouth and don't judge. Yeah. Or, or not judge and go and help a little bit. Exactly. How about saying, how can Step I help you? Step up to the plate. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I just said that the other day. Not actually yesterday. I was a guest on someone's show. And I said, instead of stigmatizing and judging, why don't you say, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. If it's to take out the garbage from the neighbor once a week, that's a great help. You yes. Know? So anything, anything at all. Well, thank you, Betsy. I'm going to have you come on again because I still think there's more to talk about in, in our hour that we just touched things. And I really, really appreciate you coming on our show and, and talking about this because we really can't talk it about, about it enough. There's quite a few more movies out now about the subject, and I appreciate that. And thank goodness, because mm -hmm. it is a journey that um, is a difficult one. And, and we need to talk about it more um, because it affects not just that one person, but everybody. Yes. It's, well, thank it's you, like, you're welcome. So please take a moment and subscribe to our channel. We're going to get the handout again, wherever my hand there, down below, push on that subscribe button. And if you found us, you found us for a reason. So hit that button and go back and share it with those people that, you know, are struggling with caregiving or struggling with, well, does my parent, do they have dementia or Alzheimer's, you know, share it with others so that People can get some better information. Um, and if you were thinking about that special someone wa watching the show, because um, I know you are, and that you haven't talked to in a very long time, reach out to them. Call them. We still have phones. <laughs> Pick up the phone. 
FaceTime them, Skype them, Zoom them. We have so many different ways now. FaceTime them or knock on their door because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You don't know if they're going to be here tomorrow. So make sure you go and tell them how much you care and love them. Um, stay tuned for our podcast and our live streams. I have great conversations with some of the most interesting and accomplished people in the world, like Betsy here from beautiful New Jersey. I think you'll be entertained and motivated, inspired. And, you know, if we've just touched one little thing that's helped you today, um, nobody's Superman. Nobody's Supergirl. You know, we expect the unexpected because you don't know. And thank you all to our listeners. We are on all podcast platforms, YouTube, Instagram. This is such a long statement. LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. And we have a Facebook group listed down below as well. Um, thank you for sharing your time with us. Thank you, Betsy, for coming on our show and helping those caregivers out there. Yeah. Or people that, you know, might even just be starting to think, hmm, there's something strange about them. What's going on? That's that's the first hint, <laughs> the first time that you should start looking into it further. So thank you, everybody. Um, I always end our show with Carol Burnett, and Betsy knows this. I always, always sing our song. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started, and before you know it comes the time we have to say so long. So long, everybody. It was a pleasure to have you, Betsy, and a pleasure you, to have you. You're welcome. And till next time, be safe, be kind. All right.